Amen. Are we grateful for Wade? Amen. Hallelujah. Love you, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to turn to a couple of passages of Scripture. One I'm going to have on the screen and the other I'm not. But uh, we're going to be going to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And then we're going to be going to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. So those are the two passages that we're going to be looking at this morning. And uh, I just have an expectancy in my heart that God is about to do something in your life that's going to make this a Christmas to remember. Does anybody have their expectors on? Amen? I just really believe that. I'm not going to read the whole story, but... um, as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see a crisis that happens in David's life. And just like Wade brought forth, there's a lot of crises in our world today. As I have been pastoring for many years now, 15, going on 15 years, and then I was an associate for 12 years, so almost 25 years of, of full-time pastoring, I can honestly tell you that these are days in which I have been perplexed with the amount of uh, strife and stress that has come upon people uh, and some of the things that have been afflicting people. But the Lord wants to declare to you that the manifestation of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and His death, burial, and resurrection is all you need to overcome any situation that you may find yourself in. But let's look at verse number one. It says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites, and we all know who the Amalekites are. If you took spirit aware, you know the Amalekites, they represent, uh, they were a physical tribe of hybrid beings, giants, that um, would go around and afflict uh, Israel. From the time they left Egypt till the time that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, Jesus was uh, crucified on the cross and raised from the dead. They, they symbolized demonic spirits. And uh, notice they attacked David's camp when David wasn't there. Amen? And uh, that's one of the tactics of the enemy is, is when we're missing, they want to come in and afflict the, the needy and the poor and the weak. And so they took, notice what happened, it says, uh, they had overcome Ziklag and they burned it with fire and they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Now there's a lot of people that are going through a lot of things. A lot of ziklags are in people's lives right now. It might be the ziklag of sickness and disease. You know, there's nothing worse than showing up on an annual doctor visit and then they say, well, we see something in your blood work or there's something happening in your body or you might go for some symptoms that you just think are just common, ordinary cold and they say, well, no, you've got this more serious thing and we need to immediately take you to surgery or we need to immediately start treating you. 
Or maybe you're facing marriage issues. Maybe your Ziklag is a smoldering, uh, you know, smoldering fire of your relationship with your spouse. Or maybe it's a relationship with a child. But all of us can probably testify that we have had a Ziklag in our lives these last few months. Uh, marriage counseling has increased. Uh, financial counseling has increased. Uh, counseling with relational issues has been on the rise. And it's all been due to the fact that the enemy knows that his days are numbered. And he knows that God has already moved on your behalf. One thing you need to understand, my brother and sister, is this. Is that whenever Satan moves in your life, it is always reactive. It is because God has proactively already moved in your life. And he knows what God is doing. Even though you might not be aware of it, he's aware of it. And he wants to keep it from happening in your life and making that full circle in your life. So he wants to disrupt you. Hello. We need to start seeing problems as opportunities. And stop seeing them as catastrophic events in which we cannot recover from. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? I remember Ziklag for me was going to the hospital on November the 16th or November 11th, I believe. God has helped me with my memory. Amen? It was my first grandbaby's, my first granddaughter birthday, one year old. And I went there thinking that I just had, you know, just some, something wrong with me. Well, then I end up being, being there for a whole week. And uh, they tell me that my heart doesn't have strength, and it's down to 14%. I was a ziklag. That was a smoldering fire. You know, you can see David coming across that hill, seeing where, getting ready to be with his family, getting ready to see his sons and daughters. And here it's a smoldering mess and no one's there. And the Amalekites would cover their tracks. So he didn't have any idea in which direction they went. He had, to, he had to supplicate before the Lord and get direction in order to move in the direction that he needed to move. So, I mean, he, no wonder he cried out with a loud voice. Have you ever been in that situation? You know, I've got out in the woods, and you know, and I just cried out with a loud voice. There's been things that have touched my life and hurt me and caused me so much pain that I just cried out to the Lord. I didn't know what to say. There's been times in my prayer life where I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to supplicate in this. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God that he takes hold together against those situations, and we're able to pray in an unknown language that connects with God. Amen. Have you ever cried until you had no more power, no more strength to weep? The tear ducts are absolutely dry. Have you cried over a child? Have you cried over a missing son? I've cried over a missing son. I've cried over relationships that have went south and went sour. There are people in my life that were important to me, and, and, and for some reason, situations come in and, and we find ourselves separated. There's ziklags all in our lives. But notice what David did 
And this is where we're going to get into Psalm 103, because Psalm 103 gives us the template of how David dealt with this situation. Because David did not deal with this situation like his men did. His men wanted to blame shift. They wanted to point fingers, and they wanted to make excuses. In fact, they were picking up stones and they were ready to slay their leader because of the hurt that they were going through. And a lot of people do that. To try to get some kind of relief from the situation, they want to, this is coming out a lot different than I thought it was. <laughs> to try to get rid of the pressure, they want you know, to blow the relief valve on someone else they want that steam to go off in the faces of their family and their friends and their pastors and their leaders and, and everything and it just seems like we live in blame shift nation everybody's blaming the boss everybody's blaming this and blaming that and listen I'm here to tell you my friends if your life sucks you suck Stop, look, stop looking at someone else and start looking at yourself. Those men, they wanted to stone David because he was their leader. And, he, and they, they, they began to say, well, he's the reason why we were off. And if we'd been here, if we'd been here, they wouldn't have took our kids. They wouldn't have took our wives. Now, they didn't care about the mother-in-laws, but they... But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> but if we'd been here, if David hadn't had us out doing that stuff and going around from town to town and trying to help these Philistines when we shouldn't even be here, then we would have been there and we would have protected. It's David's fault. If my job wouldn't have gave me all that overtime and all that stuff, I'd still be married today. Hello. If that woman hadn't dressed that provocatively, I'd still be with my wife today. What are you talking about? Every man is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. It's what's on the inside of you. It ain't way that woman's dressing. It's what's on the inside of you. We need to stop making excuses for our lives. That's what made David different. David knew where his answer was. He knew where the situation was. Yeah, he cried just like they cried. And he cried till he had no more power to weep. He was exactly in the same situation that they were in. But yet he chose to respond to it differently. Because David had a relationship with Yahweh. Is a relationship on the backside of, of, of the fields in which he raised the sheep and took care of the sheep. He was an outcast of his own family. So all of his other brothers held more prestigious chores around the house. He was always taken out in the field. In fact, when, when uh, Samuel came to anoint the, the king of Israel, he wasn't even invited. Because he was considered a half-breed. 
small man. Beautiful, but small. Kind of like Dennis. Hello. Not even invited. But as he was out there, he began to sing songs to the Lord. He began to have a relationship with God. And a lion and a bear came, and he was able to slay them in the strength of the Lord. And when he was able to face the Philistine, he faced it with the same courage that he had with the lion and the bear. God will increase you in your ability to slay the giants in your life. And they get bigger, but you get bigger. Notice what he said here. It says, And David was greatly distressed for the people, verse 6, spake of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul. They were bitter in soul. Notice that. Bitter in soul. Everybody say soul. That's where the battlefield is, friends. Situations that are without you, that's not the real problem. It's what you believe and think about your problem, that's the problem. It's how you perceive and how you see your problem, that's the problem. They were bitter in soul. They were bitter in soul. There's a reason why I'm saying this over and over. Because the Lord has shared with me there are many in this house watching online that are bitter in soul. They're discouraged. Their expectations haven't been met. There's certain things they've been believing for that haven't come to pass. And they're bitter in soul. Now they've got a smile on their face. By all intents and purposes, you would think they were okay. But they're not. They're bitter in soul. Karen and I have been going through some things and you know it's kind of been about two, three years of just going through one thing after the other. But I testify to you today that God is faithful. God has made the bitter sweet. But yet we have been under a lot of pressure. And I just sat down, just, just you know, I, I thought I'd dealt with stuff. How many realize that, you know, sometimes you think you deal with stuff and, and you, you, you haven't? Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm up late at night praying over situation, pressure situation that we were facing. And, of course, the Lord will use that opportunity to deal with other things because he wants your full wholeness. But I had to come to a, re- a recognition that I was bitter in soul. I was bitter and so listen I thought I dealt with it I thought I'd just gotten rid of it and you know I wasn't remembering about it I wasn't triggered by it you know it, it didn't really bother me but there was just some things in there that I was just bitter in my soul about just things that didn't work the way I thought they needed to work and you know I was praying about that Rocky and it didn't happen the way I prayed it and and, you know, the Word of God, you know, I, I believe God for this, and, and it's just not happened yet, and it, and it didn't happen, and the situation passed by, and it's not going to happen, 
you know, and you tend to get bitter. And you wouldn't say that to anybody. If someone said, hey, are you bitter in soul? You wouldn't say, no, no, I'm not. What makes you say that? Hello. Well, you know, when your kids are lost and your wives are gone and, and, and your spouse is gone and things of that nature, I mean, their bitterness can come in. And you're just bitter in soul. Now, what does this word mean? Well, if you go back to, I believe it's the 22nd chapter of this same book, you'll see that when David first was exiled out of Israel and banished by King Saul, he went to the cave of Adullam. And the cave of Adullam, it says, everyone that was bitter of soul came to him. So that's really, when you start a church, those are the people that come first. <laughs> Amen. Hello. And what that means is, it's, it's, it, it is actually a word that means discontentment. People can get so discouraged that they get discontent. Nothing satisfies. Nothing's right. Nothing works right. They can't do anything right. Hello, how many have ever been in a relationship where you just couldn't do anything right for the other partner? This is you know, bitterness of soul. This is a discontentment that comes on. And these men were discontented, man. I can just see them just pacing and just getting a hold of that rock and just seeing that rock go right into David's forehead. Because I've been there. And you have too. Where you want to take and, 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 and personalize your problem or put a face on your problem and, and, and just, you know, it's just like Forrest Gump said, sometimes there's just not enough rocks. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you the devil wants to get you into that place where there's not enough rocks. There's not enough rocks that you can throw to deal with the situation that you're in. There's absolutely not. He wants to wear you out throwing accusation and rocks at your spouse, at your boss, at your situation. When it's only the Word of God that's going to matter. But notice what David did. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. I like the King James. It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Actually, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it means that David laid hold of God. And when he did, it strengthened him. I say exactly the picture in the Hebrew. He was fortified the minute he got a hold of the hand of God. The minute he got a hold of God. Now, he lived in the Old Testament. You've got God living on the inside of you. That means that you can stay connected. Amen? So with that, we need to look at Psalm 103, and we can kind of get a glimpse on how David did this because I'm telling you, this, this is important. And anybody that's struggling with sickness in their body today... Anybody that's struggling in their finances, struggling with wonder, uh, wondering whether they're going to have a job in 2022, 
um, you need to get a hold of this principle because praise God, you are an overcomer. Amen? You're an overcomer. So what did David do? How did he strengthen himself in the Lord? Because it really, it doesn't give you the illustration of what he did. But I believe Psalm 103 and other Psalms, which we will not go in there, Psalm 103 gives us the illustration of what he did. Okay? Now notice what Psalm 103, now I've read Psalm 103 for years and years. I've stood on this for healing in my body and praise God it always works. Every single time. Amen? But notice what he says here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now that is a loaded scripture. That is an absolutely loaded scripture. Because he could have phrased it very different. He could have said, bless the Lord, and just left it at that. But it's his use of, bless the Lord, O my soul, that is curious. Because what was he resisting? Bitterness of soul. Bitterness of soul. What's he talking about when he talks about the soul? Well, if you look it up in the original language, you'll find out that he's talking about his inward man. Now, he wasn't born again, so he didn't have the divine life of God on the inside of him. So, guess what? God had to move through him through his soul. Are you with me this morning? So, many times we read this scripture and we read it this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. But that's not the way David prayed that prayer. Why? Because this is written in a language of command. Oh, you didn't get a hold of that. This is written in the language of command. He is commanding himself to do something. Did you know that your soul is barraged with all kinds of messages, even right now? Even right now, as you're sitting here, you're being bombarded with all kinds of things. Many of you are into Wednesday of the next week. <laughs> you're believing things about your future. You're seeing yourself in the future. You're seeing yourself hustling and bustling for the holidays. You're, you're thinking about your gift list. You're thinking about what you need to get together. Everyone has a thought life that is being bombarded right now with all kinds of different thoughts. And I guess what? You might be thinking about, you know, uh, a doctor's report that you've got or some situation that's coming up or some test result that's going to show up this week. And you're being bombarded with all kinds of thoughts. All kinds of accusation. All kinds of just trivial words. Just continuing to penetrate the membrane of your, of your, of your heart and soul. Causing your moods to rise and low and go low like a roller coaster. A year ago, I came home from the hospital. I had a stroke 
seven days before. When I was in the hospital, the immediate doctors came in and they said, listen, you're not going to be able to drive anymore. And, uh, you know, you've had a stroke at this part of your brain and you've lost all your peripheral vision. I couldn't read. I mean, that was the most shocking thing to me is not being able to read. Here I am, a preacher, and I can't read. My wife sat there and cried. I saw her out of the corner of my eye when I sat with the therapist, and she had me read words like cat. And I was spelling them out phonetically. doctor said oh well you'll just get used to it you'll get used to people driving you around you know and uh, so I was getting all these reports then they started talking about my heart was lowered again after three years of being in health my heart was lowered again and uh, they said you know what people don't they told my wife people don't recover from this Now we're getting a picture of where David's at. He's being bombarded in his mind with all this stuff. He's not only got the thoughts of his own loss, but he's got to think about everybody else's loss because he's a leader. And here he is being harassed. So I submit to you that we shouldn't read this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. We need to say, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. You bless His holy name. Because what He's doing is He's getting a hold of Himself. He's grabbing a hold of the nap of his soul and shaking it and saying, I'm not going to listen to this junk anymore. Soul, you're going to bless the Lord. It's all found in the word bless. Look it up in the original language. It means to bow the knee and worship. He is commanding his soul to stop thinking about the problem, to stop thinking about the circumstances, to stop thinking about what's going on. And he says, soul, I know you're running wild. I know you think you got a license to think on anything you want to think on. But I'm telling you, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're going to subordinate down to the word of God. And then he says, all that is within me. All that is within me. See, David knew something that many of us don't know. Your answer's within you. 
God is with you. And all that is within me. See, David had a revelation that greater is he, even though he wasn't born again. He knew the God that was with him was stronger than the situation that he was going through. And he said, I got to get my mind lined up. I, gotta, I can't let it think on anything it wants to think on. I can't, I can't see my baby dying. I can't see my own funeral. I can't see the divorce court. I, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to fantasize about it. And even when it comes to temptation, temptation is what you meditate on. You continue to meditate on it. You continue to meditate on those things. You'll begin to be inclined to participate. He says, no, i got to line my soul. You bless the Lord. Oh my. I mean, he's, he's talking to his soul. He said, you think on the right things. No, I'm not going to think that. That's not true. That's not true. And when things come to your mind to come to harass you, you've got to address them. You've got to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You've got to bring it into captivity. You don't just let it roam around free all around, saying what it wants to say and doing what it wants to do and causing all kinds of ideas and all kinds of motion pictures in your mind. You've got to say, no, I ain't going to listen to that. Amen. You got to direct your mind. God has given you that responsibility. It says that we're to renew our mind. It says put on or put off the old man. And then it says put on the new man, but in the middle of it in Ephesians chapter 4 it says and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. majority of people's problems is bad thinking habits like I said it's not the problem it's what you think about the problem do you have a God who's more than enough do you have a God that has overcome and, and helped you and assisted you and brought you to victory after victory after victory of course we have a God like that and we have testimony but isn't it amazing? It's just like uh, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and when you get that first punch in your face and you're realizing that that opposer knows how to throw a punch and you've got stars swimming around your head, you begin to realize real quick, I'm in over my head. And this is where David was at, man. He was in over his head. But he knew where the source of his strength was. And he knew it wasn't going to help him to meditate on the negative aspects. He had to align his soul with God. I'm saying this over and over for a reason. I'm trying to attack it from every angle so that you can get a hold of this. You can't sit there and wrestle with harassing thoughts from the enemy 
and think you're going to win with your own intellect. If your pea brain could deal with it, it already would have. It already taken care of it. But how many of you realize that it comes over and over and over and it repackages? It comes in a new version and it goes over and over and over again. I've taught you this. You should know it. The word devil, diabolos, comes from two Greek words, dia and bolos. Bolos means to throw, and dia means to penetrate. And that is not his name. His name is not the devil. It's his occupation. It's what he does. He hurls accusations to penetrate the fabric of your soul and build a stronghold in your mind that will handicap you for the rest of your life. And that is what bitterness of soul does. Bitterness of soul builds something in your head to where when opportunity comes and God begins to shine his revelation light, it is shaded by the fortifications that the enemy has put in your own soul. Merry Christmas, guys. I'm trying to help you here. Because 2022 is coming. Regardless of whether you want it to or not. Tomorrow is coming. Monday. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for what's going to happen next week, next month? <laughs> Are you ready for the holidays? Are you ready for those jokers that you call your family? <laughs> Hello? But notice this. He not only says it one time, he says it twice. You want to know why? Because it don't just happen just because you initially... See, people say, well, I spoke to the devil. He didn't leave. You, you only talked to him one time. You've got to harass him. You harass him like he harasses you. You've got to learn to trash talk. But you trash talk the word. You don't trash talk your own human emotions. You trash talk the word. When, he, when you, he runs up against the word, he don't have no answer for it. But you may need to know not just one scripture. You may need to know ten. Amen. Symptoms come in your body. You need to have at least five to ten scriptures that you know. That you can go to that you can begin to speak. Because he don't know no other language. You can call him a sorry cuss. You can cuss him out. You can do it. He don't care. It don't bother him not one bit. But when you start saying he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from that, oh, he, he knows he's dealing with somebody that knows how to trash talk, knows how to talk the language of victory. He knows that. 
You better have it in your arsenal, friends. Or you better, better mark them in your Bible and have that Bible right there with you and opening them up. You may not know where the verse is. You may not know where the chapter is or the book. But you need to know what the Word of God says about your situation. Because that's all that joker knows. Jesus faced the devil in three different temptations. They were major temptations. Not to count the temptations that he felt through the entire 39 days that he was fasting because he was tempted the whole time. These three represented the three that were given to Adam and Eve. And he passed them. How did he pass them? By calling the prayer chain? By putting a status report on Facebook, Twitter, doing a TikTok video? I'm in the desert here and I'm having a hard time. Did, did he do that? No. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. That is one way we bless the Lord, oh my soul. We get out of our mental capacity and we enter into our spiritual power. And he says it again. He says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And then now he's going to tell us how his soul's going to be brought into that. And forget not. Mm. And forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget any of his benefits. That means that I'm going to stop having to think about what I'm thinking and I got to get my eyes on the benefits. I've got to switch from one mode of thinking to another mode of thinking. <clears throat> I've got to stop meditating on the problem, meditating on the pain, meditating on the offense, meditating on the weakness, meditating... And I've got to move my mind and align it with his benefits. Are you awake out there? And he gives you a few of them here. Because I'm telling you, you got to know. you got to know this stuff. The devil dominates you in places you are ignorant in. If you don't know there's a devil, you're not going to resist him. If you don't know that there's an answer for your sickness and disease, you're not going to grab a hold. If you don't know that God desires for you to prosper and be in health even as you're soul prospers you won't entertain that type of thinking so he wants you to stay on the ignorant side where you don't know this stuff but notice what David does David has to remind himself of the benefits 
He says, do not forget them. I remember what James says in James, the first chapter. It says that we are to look into the perfect law of liberty. Hello. I'm running out of time, so i gotta, I got to just give you the King Gregory version. Look at the perfect law of liberty and continue to look in. What's the perfect law of liberty? This. This is the mirror. This is the only way that you can see yourself the way God sees you. You're not going to see it through media, through social networking. You're not going to see it through uh, secular books and materials. You're not going to see it even through a person. There's no relationship that can show you who you are except for Him. And and, uh, listen, guys, I'm just going to tell you. In order to have a relationship with Jesus... You've got to have a relationship with this book. Because this is Jesus. This is Jesus' words. They're, him and his word are one. So when I'm reading and interacting with this book, I'm sitting down with the Lord. I'm interacting with the Lord. Well, how many times have you sat down with the Lord this past week? Many times people will separate the reading of the Word and prayer. They'll say, well, I'm, I'm praying. I'm not reading the Word. Listen, you can't pray without this. It's a very simple confession, but it's something that we probably need to get used to saying again. God's Word is God speaking to me. So if I'm not in the Word, if I don't know what the Word says, then I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. And I'm sorry, guys, but your phone Bible ain't going to do you any good. That's just to get a reference while you're driving or out. You need to have a physical Bible that you can mark in and write notes in that you can pray over, that you can cry in. Listen. This Bible right here, if they took a grain out of this, they could duplicate me because my DNA is all on those pages. Is yours? I'm not sitting there saying that I'm special. Listen, I I wrestle with these things just like you do. Even more so because of the calling. Because if the devil wants anyone to quit in this house, he wants me to. But I'm telling you, is there blood, sweat, and tears on the pages of your Bible? I mean, could they take that Bible and say, we need another Greg Burkett, and they, <laughs> they extract it in there and clone you based upon what your sweat Hair follicles, skin. I'm telling you, when we get into the Word, we get into Jesus. When we when we spend time in the Word, we're talking with Jesus. 
Don't separate prayer and reading of the Word. Same thing, same thing. Because there's not a time that I haven't read the Word that God didn't speak to me. But people try to do it without the Word. They put this on the shelf. Well, I'm just going to pray. Well, that's wonderful and that's great. But the depth of your praying is based upon your knowledge of the Word. I've used this illustration before and it bears repeating. But if I were to go to a... um, Say, for instance, I would go to a, a meeting where there's engineers... My conversation's limited. You want to know why? Because I don't know anything about engineering. Many of us come to God, we don't know anything about Him. And He's gracious and merciful for a time, but He expects us to know some things. I, I, I know this is hate speech, but God expects you to grow. I know that's hate speech to a lot of Christians. No, it's grace. It's grace. Grace is meant to help you grow. Grace is given so you can grow. It's not given so that you can be lazy and just think he's going to do everything about my situation. Listen, David understood that God could do something about his situation, but he had to align himself up. He knew that he couldn't receive from God because his soul was in the way. Oh, his thinking was limiting his answers. He couldn't see the forest for the trees. His stinking thinking was limiting God's ability. Wasn't that God didn't have ability? Wasn't that God didn't want to do and deliver and bring restoration to his family and the families of his men. God desires it and wants it. But David had to put himself in a position because the crisis was meant to knock him off position. See, the enemy will use what God has given you against you are you with me? Notice what he says here. Are you, are you getting anything out of this? The first thing you need to praise God for, listen, notice, notice what he says. Who forgives all my iniquities? I'm telling you what, friend. If it stopped there, we'd have enough. I said if it stopped there, we'd have enough. How many have had their iniquities forgiven? Now, his use of iniquity is, 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 is telling. Because we know that there are three types or categories of missing uh, the mark with God. There's sin, which is the condition of man. There's transgression, which is stepping over the line. And then there's iniquity. And what is iniquity? Iniquity is self-will. What was he dealing with? He was dealing with his soul. What's a compartment of the soul? The will. 
He forgives all of my self-will. Me trying to solve my problems. Me trying to do my thing. Me trying to make it happen for me. Me looking out for myself. Oh, come on now. Oh, you, you, you're not going to... You're not going to receive deliverance if you're just in it for you. Hello. Majority of people that come and need assistance with trying to traverse a, a situation in their life, if they're believers for any amount of time, they know the answer already. Because they'll tell you. Well, I know I need to be doing this, and I could do this better. And I, you know, well, you already know. What do you need me for? <laughs> What's it a matter of self-will? I know what to do, but I won't do it. Oh, God, oh, I, I got some stairs over here. I'm going to have to go over here. This is a much nicer group of people here. Nobody over here does that. No. Well, I know what the Bible says, but you don't know what they did to me. And I refuse. Well, that's, talk, that's, that's iniquity. To know the Word of God and to go against it is iniquity. It's to say, my will supersedes God's will. And guess what? God forgives all of them. Isn't that wonderful? God forgives all of them. Oh, somebody ought to get excited about that. I, I'm talking about real Christmas. Well, you don't know the decisions I've made. I've made so many decisions. He forgives all of our iniquities. He forgives our iniquities. When we yield over to Him and we bow our knee to Him and we say, Lord, I have made some decisions that are irrespective of You. I've got attitudes that are not in line with Your Word. You are dealing with iniquity. I'm so glad He forgave me. I'm glad to be forgiven today. How about you? That's, that's really, that's really what, what Christmas is about, is the forgiveness. Now, I don't believe December 25th is Christmas Day. I don't believe that that's when Jesus was born. Son God raw, maybe, but... Uh, <laughs> but, hey, I celebrate Jesus every day. Amen? Come on. All right. Jesus was actually born on September 11th, if you really want to know. <clears throat> Bible, Bible tells you the date. But, uh, so you've got to come to Bible school to get that kind of stuff. Notice what he says. And this is really good. And they're tied together. See, we try to separate these two. And they're actually tied together. Okay? Who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all of your diseases. Yeah. 
All of them. Every single one of them. Even those ones you like. Come on. That's good. Come on. Hello. Come on. They're tied together. The forgiveness of iniquity and the healing of the physical body. They're tied directly. Now, I don't have time to teach you on a correlation between the two, but you need to understand that there's a revelation in that. Yes. Is an understanding of righteousness and who you are in Christ does have an effect on your physical body, and it will. Yes. It's had phys effect on mine. I'm standing here healthy and whole. Amen. Last year at this time, I was wearing a defibrillator belt. I'm not wearing it now. Yes, I was at death's door. I mean, I got so close that I just said, I just might as well go on in. That's the way I felt. There wasn't nothing keeping me here. You get so weak in body. How many know what I'm talking about? You get so weak in body that you just say, man, man this... Uh, I don't have the strength to fight this. But guess what? The Lord had different plans. And He's faithful and He's true to His Word. Hello. The book of Ecclesiastes says, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you've got hope. Amen? And so we got we to understand that. We would lay hold of Him just like David did. We lay hold of Him. We get strengthened. And I was doing it the best I could. I couldn't read my Bible because I couldn't read. My wife says, hey, I brought your Bible. I said, take it home. That's, that's where I was at, guys. Put it home. I don't want to aggravate myself by trying to read it. Because I was having trouble reading signs in the room. I went to the bathroom and I read a little sign and I, I repeated it to Karen, you know, trying to build my confidence up. And, and she called the nurse. She said, something's wrong with him. <laughs> I couldn't. I'm serious, guys. I mean, I'm telling you how where Jesus lift me up and how did he do that? Through Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. See, I had to get my soul in line. See, if my soul is attached to the flesh and the things of this world, then that's all I'm going to know. I'm just going to know the things of the flesh. And the Bible says in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans that to be carnally minded is death. So that doesn't mean to be, you know, into pornography mind. It means that I'm attached to the physical. And that's all I know is what the doctor says and what the situation and what experts say and what med, uh, you know, uh, WebMD says or Google. You guys are foolish looking your stuff up on Google. That's not bless the Lord on my soul. That's, that's curse my soul, oh Google. <clears throat> you need to get out of that. If you need to turn the TV off, turn it off. You need to stop looking at your phone. Stop looking at it. Bless the Lord. <clears throat> oh, my soul. And all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Man, he had to do it again. 
Oh, my soul. Why? Because his mind's getting attacked. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're not going to see your son graduate. This is stuff I heard. You're not going to see your grandkids marry. You're going to die. The church is going to fold. Of course, I know better than that because this is Jesus' church. But he threw it at me anyway. And guess what they're going to think about you? You, this big old healing preacher, dying. Oh, he just relished that. He just relished talking to me about that. You preached healing and you're, you're dead at 53 years old. I'm a spring chicken. <laughs> I mean, I gonna tell you, he was mean. He'd show my wife remarrying. Better looking man, too. I mean, he was mean. He, he plays for keeps. That's the reason why you got to learn to trash talk, because he loves it. He will trash talk you right into the ground. Seeing my kids around another man, calling him daddy. I tell you, he's mean. He don't pull no punches. I mean, he touched on every fear I ever had. Every one of them, he just kicked that thing in. And you know what? You got to bless the Lord. You got to bless the Lord. Well, I don't feel like blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Soul, you get an alignment right now in the name of Jesus. We're not going to think on that. We're not going to meditate on that. That movie is not going to play in this house right now. I'm not going to let it in. Then he gives you the movies to watch. Who forgives all my iniquities? Now, that's a movie I can watch. Now, that's a mind reel that I can put in. That's something that I can meditate on and get strength from. Because I'm called to bless him with all that is within me. I'm going to bless his holy name. I'm not going to forget his benefits. He's blessed me. He's forgiven me. He's healed me. Well, you're in the hospital. You're not healed. I'm healed. I was healed just as much when I was in that bed as I am right now. And your marriage is healed just as much right now as it will be five years from now if you'll trust the Lord. That relationship with that child is restored by faith. And you will see restoration because that's the whole thing about Ziklag. Ziklag was about restoration. God was giving David an example for us on how to get restoration when we've lost something. Oh, hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here. If you'll grab a hold of what he's... Come on now. Hallelujah. Oh, but he, he, 
If he just had those two, I could stop right there. Forgiveness of my iniquity and healing of my diseases. I mean, I could live on that. How about you? But he goes more. He says more, doesn't he? Notice what he says. Who redeems my life from the pit. How many have been in the pits? <laughs> How many have been in the pits this year? Or maybe the last six months? Come on now. I'm telling you what. I've been in the pit. That's what the Lord was dealing with me about. But guess what? I can't dig my way out. See, some of you, you're, you're exhausted. You're exhausted. This is, spirit, this is by the Spirit of the Lord. You're exhausted trying to dig yourself out of a pit. You're trying to dig yourself out. Even by coming here today, you're trying to dig yourself out. But the Lord says He redeems you from the pit. I said He redeems you from the pit. He'll pull you up out of that pit. Hallelujah. What, what does a pit represent? It represents lack of movement. It represents confinement. It represents having no margin in your life. It represents having absolutely no ability to move forward or backward very far. It represents being trapped. There's a lot of people feel trapped. But bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is with, come on now. Are you awake out there? He'll pull you up out of that pit. Guess what? Your praise will pull you up out of that pit. Hello? I remember my, my father in the faith, David Emi, shared a story in which he had a vision. And uh, he was locked down in a chair. And there was a vice around his head. And uh, it's just like the enemy was just constricting and constricting. That's a pit. How many have ever been in that? Where it just feels like everything's constricting. And when you think you get a bit of relief just tightens down. You get a good deep breath, it just sucks it in a little more. And he was there. And it was a spirit of depression that was coming on him. And he knew what that spirit was. And he said, a spirit of depression was coming on me and constricting me, confining me. And that's what depression seeks to do. Depression seeks to confine you to where you don't want relationships, to where you don't want to do anything. You lose all motivation. You lose all strength. You don't have the desire to do things. You don't have the desire to pray. You don't have the desire to read. He wants to get you in there. He's got you in that spirit of python, that, that the constricting that continues to just squeeze down on you. And he said, all of a sudden, the Lord said, if you'll praise me. Oh, this is an answer to somebody in this room. He says, if you'll praise me, it'll break the bands. And he said he began to praise the Lord. And, of course, it started off small as first, like we do.
Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. I guess I'm going to do it because you said so. Praise you, Jesus. Started off, you know. I remember when the Lord told me I was constricted. It was a financial situation, but it was weighing on my soul. I was getting bitter in soul because this answer didn't come when I wanted it to. And the Lord said, will you dance for me? Now, that's the strangest thing. And some of you Baptists don't understand that at all. <clears throat> I'm serious. I didn't understand that. I just got out of the Baptist church. I never understood that at all. Will you dance for me? Well, see, you know, I'm not a big dancer. I'm a private dancer. <laughs> So I'm out on the back 40 out here in uh, Silver City, the wonderful metropolis of Silver City, out there, you know, out in the field with a bunch of cows. And the Lord says, well, you dance for me. So there's nobody around there, no, no need for embarrassment, but yet I was still embarrassed. See, the biggest deliverance you need is the deliverance from you. See, it's how you think about your problem that's the problem. It's how you perceive it and what you'll do in order to get out of it. It's limited by what? Your mind, your soul. That's why we have to align our soul with the Word of God. We have to say, oh, wait, God, you, I trust you. You're, you're, you're my Father. You won't do anything to make me be fooled. He won't put you to shame. It's a I mean, I didn't know much moves at that time. And, uh, and so I just began to do what little I could do. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and I began to dance as David danced. Now, was a check waiting for me at the end of the dance? Was I getting tipped? Did I get, did I get a dollar in my... No. <laughs> no. In fact, it, the answer didn't come till a week and a half later. But what was I delivered from? I was delivered from me. See, that was what... Oh, goodness, get a hold of that. That's what was keeping me from receiving is me. Well, it's that devil. He's keeping... Oh, you're way better than the devil. <laughs> you're way better at stopping you than the devil is. This all right? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hello. But then he goes on and says this. I tell you what, this is good stuff here. Not the preaching, but, but the word. Amen. Who crowns me. He not only lifts me up out of a pit, but he crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. That word steadfast love is the Hebrew word hased, and it basically is loving God's loving, gracious kindness and favor. He crowns you with that. He not only gets you up out of that mess that you found yourself in, but he crowns you with loving kindness and mercy. Amen? Hallelujah. And who satisfies me with good. Oh, here, come on. 
so that your youth, oh, some of you need to get a hold of this, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Some of you are getting it, some of you ain't. I, I love the King James Version on that. He said, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay? Very interesting play on words because he says this, and this is very important for you to understand. I'm closing with this. Our mouth is... He satisfies our mouth with good things. Now, how many ever ate a good thing? I mean, something that's tasty, and I mean, the minute you get a hold of it, it just, it just invigorates you and just excites you, and you want more of it. Come on now. How many ever done that? I get that every time I kiss my wife. Hello. But when it comes to the things of God, it's not a taking in. Oh, if you get a hold of this, this will save you. Save your life. It's tasting things as they come out. When we have His Word on the inside of us, it's so rich. I mean, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when I confess that word and I begin to praise God, I begin to get a taste of the things of God. I begin to partake of the things of God by my spirit outside, released out of my mouth, and it satisfies me with good things, and it renews my strength oh some of you need to get renews my strength my health my attitude my mental capacity I'm able to just taste the good things of God as his word comes out of my mouth as I begin to say by the stripes of Jesus I am healed as I begin to say bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me when I say that he's forgiven all my iniquities and healed all of my diseases when I'm in there I'm satisfied with the good things of God and my body is affected. Amen. Amen. Hello. I remember, uh, I guess it was uh, Chad Gonzalez when he was here. And he said this, and, and you know, it really stirred me. He said, we should get better with age. Because as we age, we should be more dependent on Him. And the more dependent we are on Him, guess what? He will not put us to shame. We don't have to diminish like the world diminishes. In Adam, all die. But in Christ, all are made alive. It's the word for quicken. Quicken, to animate, to bring to life the life that God has the life that God is 
living in your body. Amen. And it's released through the Word. Through the Word of God coming from your spirit out of your mouth. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen? Stand to your feet and give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 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 <laughs> He's filling some of you with joy right now. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The good things of God. I said the good things of God are coming forth right now. The good things of God are coming forth right now in the name of Jesus. Breaking the shackles. Breaking the, the, the fetters that have bound you right now in the name of Jesus. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Soul, you're gonna bow the knee. You're gonna bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus. You're gonna bow the knee to the Word of God. I'm not gonna tolerate these transient thoughts that are in my mind, that are telling me I'm gonna fail, that are telling me I'm not gonna make it, that are telling me that I'm rejected, that are telling me that I'm not accepted, that are telling me that I can't prosper, that are telling me that I can't be blessed, that are telling me that I can't do what God has called me to do. I break their power right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.